0: This is Mercy Harper, writer for research services at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC podcasts on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. This is part two of a podcast series about how different generations communicate and collaborate in the virtual workplace. So I hope you'll check out part one first. That's called how different generations experience virtual collaboration. In this chat, I talk with Jude Cohen, a millennial and a social strategist at Ogilvy, and Lauren Trees and Cindy Hubert, both from APQC and a Gen Xer and a Baby Boomer, respectively, about what leaders should do to improve cross-generational collaboration in the virtual workplace. So, without further ado, here's the chat. What are some things leaders can do right now to help different generations communicate and collaborate effectively in the virtual workplace? And maybe Jude, you want to kick off. You had some really great ideas. Thank
1: you. Sure. So I think first and foremost, we all have to recognize that we're not the sum of our productivity and that behind these, these screens are real human lives. And we're getting a little bit of a picture into that now that we're all zooming into each other's homes and we have been for kind of a year. But that said, just because I now live at work does not mean I live to work. And just because I am more accessible doesn't mean that you have unfiltered access to me as a leader in my company, as a leader in the corporate world. And so I think really remembering that we are humans leading human lives and that we're not the sum of our productivity and really taking that into account. And Cindy, it's similar. It's going back to what you were saying earlier about the formality of, business there are times when it, it behooves us to be formal and there are times when it will make your employees respect you so much more to peel back that curtain and and take a peek into the vulnerable real life that's going on behind the screen um and so this, this contributes to so many things. Like there's such a huge crisis right now of women leaving the workforce because they feel like they they have to make the choice between work and life and that you can't have a combination or a balance of the two. And that balance is becoming so overloaded on the work side during this time of virtual work. Um, and, and so I think that A, it will endear your employees to you to be able to see their humanity and value it appropriately and also it's gonna help this larger societal issue that we're facing right now of women leading leaving the workforce um, to not make people choose to recognize that humanity to understand when someone says like i may i need to go run out and pick up my child from school and and this applies to when we're working virtually and when we're not recognizing that there are lives outside of the constraints of work and also recognizing that like no, i think i'm gonna leave it at that but i also really want to shout out the leaders in my company for their understanding and something that they did just last week that i really really appreciated was they sent a company-wide email it was The day after the Derek Chauvin trial concluded and he was found guilty on all three counts. And they sent this email that said, we recognize that this trial was re-traumatizing for a lot of our colleagues, especially our black and brown colleagues. We recognize also that we have reached this point in the pandemic where we're over a year in and people are feeling really burnt out. We see that, here is an extra day off. We already all have three personal days to use whenever we want them, but they added a fourth and they said, we really hope that you'll take this within the next month to take a day for you, whether it's a day to spend time with your family or it's a day to unplug and go for a run, whatever you wanna do with that day, take that day, please take it. And not only adding the day, but creating the space and the expected cultural expectation to take the day so that when you see all of these personal days popping up on your calendar of your of your coworkers taking a day off, it's not like, oh, they're shirking work. It's like, oh, good. They're taking their day. They're taking some time to recharge and do what's right for them so that then they can come back and like not feel bitter or tired or stressed about working here and working with us. And so that's one thing that I really want to shout out and give a lot of credit to because it it has. It's made such a difference in our overall morale and, bottom line, our productivity.
2: I want to pick up on, Jude, what you're saying because I think it is very similar to what I was going to say in terms of what organizations need to be doing maybe just from a slightly different perspective, because the the real divergence that we see in our research across generations is that younger employees want more rules and guidelines in place for virtual collaboration, but that's especially around these boundaries and, and how much collaboration is gonna occur, things like limits on meetings, and then permission to switch off, not just for that work-life balance, but also to get solitary, deep work that requires concentration done. And I think people really need to be able to set some limits like those in order to balance their lives and their productivity and be productive workers and productive humans. And just to what you're saying, it's not just about policies, but also about norms and role modeling from leaders in the organization, um, because you can set all the rules in the world. But if people are getting cultural cues that they're not allowed to switch off or that they need to respond to emails at 9 p.m. or attend A meeting 5am 6am every day in the morning then those rules and policies are not going to be very effective and and i don't think it's that older people don't care about boundaries i think that they as a whole, just feel more empowered because of their seniority or their position in the organization to um, to set those boundaries for themselves. Whereas people who are maybe a little newer to the workforce and in more junior roles, they don't know when they can push back, when they can say no, and so they would like some rules of the road set for them. So so I think clarifying those boundaries and expectations is something that leaders can do to improve the virtual collaboration experience for younger people and really for everyone. Um, you know, and balancing those sort of standards, this is how we're going to operate, this is This is in scope and out of scope for your job. Um, Combining that with uh, helping people talk about their preferences for communication and figuring out how those standards and preferences are gonna interplay.
3: Lauren and Jude, I'm gonna build on what you both said. One of my, my top, I had four points that I wanted to make about what you do right now, of course. One was for leaders to rethink their culture, which in essence, you both have just described. But sometimes I think that's hard. What do you really wanna change? What does it need to look like? And in order to do that, my second point is to have a deeper understanding of who is in your culture. And so that makes you look, if you wanna take it from a generational perspective, I mean, starting with the millennials and Gen Z, it said that a lot of research says they want fulfillment and purpose in their work. But don't we all? We all do. So I think you have to look at the qualities of that. Millennials and Gen Z, from what I've experienced, contribute a lot to their work. They want to receive a lot from their employers in return. They're very fast-paced. They want to learn, grow, explore new opportunities. They love feedback from supervisors. They want relevant company information. And again, I think... Everyone wants that. There's just a larger demand because obviously they make up a large percentage, I think what 35% of the workforce now millennials, but they don't always have the history that the Gen X and the baby boomers bring. And so, when you think about your Gen X, just resilient, independent—they're—they're they're known for adaptability. And of course, baby boomers have always been coined to have an incredibly strong work work ethic. And to piggyback on what Jude says, I think that your your Gen your Gen Ys and your Gen Zs also have that. They just go about doing it in a different way. So I said the second part of that builds on what Lauren said, have a lot of different channels of communication, not just one. The second thing is really active listening. And then and or the third thing is active listening. The fourth thing is actually using approaches to bring people together with a common purpose. And this is what we've done in the discipline that I know and love in knowledge management for so many years. Um, And it can apply the same to the collaboration, sharing, sharing knowledge, working together, getting to a common outcome. And APQC, Lauren and I actually did a really cool presentation. I'm going to pat us on the back for a minute in January of 2020. And I think it got a little overlooked because then we got tossed into this global pandemic. But it was about understanding the life cycle of an employee through the lens of knowledge sharing and knowledge transfer and I think We can use some of the things that we we've discussed in that entire body of research and the presentation is, you know, what are each group's biggest needs? That's what leaders need to be asking. What are the opportunities and the interventions that are needed? What tools and approaches need to be provided? And how can we best support those groups? And I think if you took those four questions as a leader, you would go a long way to helping rethink and change your culture.
2: I'll jump in for just a minute. I feel like a lot of what all three of us are saying is not specific to different generations and is not specific to the virtual workplace. It's about how you lead people effectively and how you build a culture that respects people and treats them the way that we all want to be treated and that those are the kinds of policies, norms, expectations, and behaviors that create a workplace that people want to contribute to and be productive and and happy. And all of that sometimes gets overlooked as we segment out and do micro-targeting of different groups and think about what different groups want, that we, we tend to we we can focus on the 20% that we want that's different instead of the 80% that we all want that's the same, which is to be treated with respect and treated like adults and, um, you know, given some autonomy to figure out how our, our work is gonna inter, inter, intersect with the rest of our lives.
3: Yeah. Jude, our founder, Jack Grayson, um, which Lauren and Mercy does know this, he really had some characteristics that span the boundaries of where we were when he started APQC 40 years ago to now. You were talking about your organization and that is he was he, a lifetime learner. So always be opening to learning. And I think if you can teach your experts, your next experts to begin you know, always be open to learning because you never know who you are going to learn from and Jack was really good about that. And um, the other thing that he brought to the table and Lauren mentioned it earlier was vulnerability. And I think across all generations, you have to have that vulnerability that just is able to say you may know this better than I do or you may can help me with this regardless of what, as Lauren, you said your age. And do that. And those are two things that I think stand the test of time. If I look at where I started with APQC years ago um, to where we are now, it's it's just a journey.
1: I fully both of those really, really resonate with me, Cindy. And I think to bring together what you and Lauren both just said, the only thing that I would add is that in the vulnerability and in what people really want from a culture from a job from the place where we spend the majority of our waking hours is to be seen and to be heard it's such a simple human want and to feel both of those things is to feel fulfilled and so if the company can create a culture that makes employees feel seen and feel heard that makes them open to being vulnerable that makes them open to wanting to learn and seeing that ideas can come from anywhere and so that's that's all i'll say on that because i know that we are getting close to time
2: I do want to pick up on that for just one second, though, because I feel like one of the benefits of virtual work that we've seen is that it can reduce some of the hierarchies inside organizations and help people gather diverse perspectives, um, you know, not be as focused on where they are in the org chart and more focused on the expertise that people have and and bringing those sort of different people together to collaborate and, and share knowledge. And I think that that's a big benefit of, of virtual work as well.
0: I'm Mercy Harper. Thanks for joining us for this APQC podcast. Please go to apqc.org to learn more and have a great rest of your day.